Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Saeed Shahabuddin. I always advise everyone to do this. Wherever you are in life, whether you've already started working or if you haven't started working, you haven't even thought of your profession yet. Here's the exercise. Sit down, think very, very deeply about everything that you need in life to be happy. Everything, whether that be money, what kind of money you want to make. What kind of material things do you want? Do you want a Ferrari? Are you okay with a Corolla? What kind of house do you want? What kind of life do you want? Do you want to have free time? Do you want to go and travel? Do you want to have time with your family? Do you want to live close to family? All of that jazz, literally everything. And take like a full day and just do that. And then you have a vision. You have a life that you've built out for yourself in the future. You've decided these are the things that are going to make me happy and just never compromise on those things. And Saeed is such an awesome, down-to-earth guy. I could have talked to him for hours. Really, really awesome guy. And we explore the importance of giving patients a warm greeting and recognizing their arrival, uh, making them feel valued every step of the way. He also emphasizes the privilege that we get to see patients every day and where this personal touch can be lost in corporate dentistry. And he brings to light the power of providing exceptional patient experiences without the need for extravagant equipment or uh, excessive spending. Instead, he encourages us to focus on what patients genuinely appreciate and talk about. For instance, he has a massage chair in his practice that patients can't help but mention to others. So we talk about that. And we also dig deep into the essentials, ensuring your team wholeheartedly embraces the practice's vision, going beyond just the details. And we also talk about what he did for marketing, for his practice, his startup practice, things he wished he would have done better, all these things. Uh, So to learn more about his dynamic transition from corporate dentistry to value-driven practice owner, let's listen in to Dr. Saeed Shahabuddin. Saeed, how's it going? It's going well, man. I'm blessed. Blessed to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, what do we got to do to get one of them shirts? (sighs) The tough, uh, (laughs) tough ass, man. Custom ink. That's where I got it from. Oh, yeah. nice, man. Nice. I like that. Writing materials, man. This is just the beginning. This is this is just the beginning. Yeah. Studio Bring 88 that made that for you, right? Studio 88 did the logo for me. Yeah. So I can't take any credit. I chose it. So I guess that takes some work. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a big decision. Yeah. No, that's true. But awesome. Yeah. Say, can you tell us a little bit about your past, your present? How did you get to where you are today? Sure, man. I'd love to. So I grew up in Chicagoland. Chicagoland area, about 40 minutes west of the city of Chicago. In the suburbs, you know, one of the only brown kids in my entire class. Always had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Always had something to prove, you know. Grew up, I wanted to always be, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. Weird thing for a kid to want to be. But my uncle was a psychiatrist. And I just saw the kind of respect that people gave him. He had his own business. And I knew that he talked to, you know, his business was dealing with people and talking to people. And I loved that. And that's really kind of what I wanted. Started to learn a little bit more about that and decided, nah, actually, that's not what I want to do. The field isn't what I thought it was. You know, you're kind of just pushing pills more than anything. But I, I can say that. My sister's like psychiatrist. <laughs> half my family. At the same time that I was like, you know, like high school out in braces. My orthodontist, 
I don't know how, I don't know what kind of language I can use on this, but he wasn't a very, like, he wasn't, he was nice, but he was kind of like full of himself. So he, I mean, I would go in and I'm a 16 year old kid. And this guy was just your typical, uh, like Indian guy who always wishes that he wasn't Indian. He wishes he was white, you know, one of those guys. So I have vivid memories of going in there and him just bragging about his life and where he is and where he, how he got there. He said, that girl up front, that white girl, that's my wife. And I'm like, okay. He pulled out his appointment book. He goes, look at all these patients. They all pay me $200 a month. And I'm like, okay. He's like, see that car up there? That's mine. Anyway, he's full of himself, right? And I was like, man, this guy, I never wanted, I don't want to be this guy. But when he would talk to me about why my mouth was the way that it was, I had crazy issues. You know, I looked like a vampire, canine teeth coming in weird ways. He would talk to me about why my mouth did that, how my teeth got to where they were. And I just thought it was like, I thought that was so cool. And I was fascinated. So I was like, I want to do this, but I just don't want to be this guy. So that started my fascination with dentistry, man. You know, fast forward through college, I thought about nothing else. I didn't have any backup plans. If I didn't get to dental school, I was going to be a hand model in California or something. I didn't have anything, I had nothing planned. So yeah, man, went to dental school in Indiana. I feel weird just talking this long by myself, man, by the way, but. Uh, <laughs> you're like, I've never, you feel like you're orthodontist guy. Yeah, man. <laughs> I do, man. So we're going full circle here. That's crazy that he was like that though, that he was, real quick, backspace a little bit though. Psychiatry. Yeah. When yeah. was the pivoting point where you're like, nope, never mind? Good question. I, I just started to learn more about it. And it was like late high school when I, and I just like sat with my uncle and asked him like, what's, you know, what's like your life like? What's a day in the life like for you? And it's a lot less. I mean, what I realized is that I wanted to be something more of like a counselor or like a psychologist rather than a psychiatrist because you spend like a couple minutes with the patient. I would hear him on phone calls and a phone call goes like this. You know, this is Dr. Whatever, Dr. S. Yeah, what's going on? Okay, that medication's not working for you. Okay, let's try this other medication. I'll call it in for you. That's like mainly your conversation with patients. Sometimes it's like, okay, and they're very like just deadpan. Okay, yeah, you're thinking about hurting yourself. Okay, let me get you started on this other medication. And that's all it is. It's a lot less of like, you know, tell what, what's your, how are you feeling and what, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. The, the connection isn't really there the way that I thought it would be. At least not for adult psych. You know, that was the pivot when I was just like, it's kind of, you know, it's not what I thought. Yeah. It's not what I thought. So you've always kind of had like shame any psychiatrist out there. If you're a psychiatrist, man, do your thing. I can't do it. I yeah. can't, you know. You've always kind of been, or it sounds like, I don't know if you've always, but like you wanted to help, but more like on the internal, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So why, why, did, why did dentistry have, how did that happen? I was fascinated by the science of it. My parents were typical Indian parents. We barely went to the dentist, like barely ever. But I just was like, I know I want to do something health because I wanted to make people feel better. But I also wanted to have that connection. So like general medicine was kind of in the back of my mind. But then I started looking into dentistry as well. And I don't know, there was, I think there was a website or something that I saw. And it's talked about pros and cons of being a dentist and all that jazz. So I was like, oh, I'm still looking into this, you know, looking into, started looking into it. And I was like, this is it own your own business, which is a big thing as well. I wanted to do big, huge part of why I wanted to be a dentist and you build connections with people and you can make them feel better pretty easily. So yeah, yeah man. Okay. Nice, man. So then fast forward and then you 
decided to open up your practice, how long were you an associate or working for an associateship? Yeah, good question, man. There's a story there, but we graduated in 2017. I worked for Heartland Dental, big corporate mm-hmm. dentistry. They're like almost double the size, I feel like, than they were when I started working with them. Worked for them for four years and then moved back to the Chicagoland area. When I was working for them the first, I really only had a plan to work with them for like a year. And I'm like, I'm just going to work with them for a year, maybe learn some things, get my speed up, and then I'm going to go do my own thing. Somewhere I lost track of the vision. The vision was, I want to have my own business. I want to be a leader. I want to have my own practice throughout dental school. This is what I was thinking. And I'm like, you know, everything that I was learning in dental school, additional CE and stuff that I was doing in dental school, additional leadership things I was learning was all to set me up for that. But when you work for a place like, like Heartland, again, I'm not trying to throw shade, but you drink the Heartland Kool-Aid. Everybody tells you there's no way out of this corporate thing. You got to work with us. And this is the best option. All these people who have practices, they're going to be gone. We're going to buy them all out, all that jazz. And it was just, you know, I was just listening to it and I should have paid no mind to it, you know? So I lost track of the vision when I was working with them. Okay. So when did you snap back into reality? I guess you can say I've been like, nah, man, like I'm going to do my own thing. That's a good question, man. You're a good interviewer. Can we just take a second to appreciate that? Thank you. I'll, you I'll, I'll Venmo you some money later. To- yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> this is going to sound corny. I did a happiness exercise. My wife and I did a happiness exercise. This is what the exercise is. And I always advise everyone to do this. Wherever you are in life, whether you started working before or you've already started working or you haven't started working, you haven't even thought of your profession yet. Here's the exercise. Sit down. Think very very deeply about everything that you need in life to be happy. Everything, whether that be money, what kind of money you want to make? What kind of material things do you want to, do you want a Ferrari? Are you okay with a Corolla? What kind of house do you want? What kind of life do you want? Do you want to have free time? You want to go and travel? Do you want to have time with your family? You want to live close to family? All of that jazz, literally everything and take like a full day and just do that. And then you have a vision. You have a life that you've built out for yourself. In the future, you've decided these are the things that are going to make me happy and just never compromise on those things. What happens is you get caught up in the chase. I'm sure that, you know, you can sympathize. I'm sure that a lot of you guys can sympathize. You get caught up in this other person, this other, this friend that I went to dental school with is now, they have three practices and I'm still here as an associate or whatever it is. You know, my friend who went into, didn't even go to college is driving a freaking Maserati and I'm out here with my, whatever it is. The chase clouds you here and it's, it's dangerous because it keeps you from, again, you lose track of your vision. What's going to keep me happy? What do I need to be happy? So in that list that I wrote up was living close to my family. I didn't like close family when I was working with Heartland. Having my own thing, I would, that wasn't the case for me. So it's just a whole list of things, you know. It's interesting. Besides that, besides owning your business and living close to family, what were some of the things that you needed or you need to be happy? I need to be fulfilled in what I'm doing. And part of that involves just providing like a great patient experience that I can only do if I'm doing my own thing. So that's one thing is being fulfilled, you know, in my job. I'm not even going to mention the, the money thing because I'm making my less money right now, it probably will be for a year than when I was working with Heartland. 
probably for the next three years, to be honest with you. But I had a number in mind and it's actually, it doesn't cost that much to, to keep me happy personally. I wanted to be stress-free and be able to spend time with my wife, like a lot of time with my wife and not just like two or three hours in a day. I needed to be close to my parents. There's a lot on the list, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, man. No, it's <laughs> good. It's good. Now. No, it's good. It's good. Like uh, right now, does your wife work with you or no? Yeah. Okay. So you're close. Right. Yeah. Like it's good. Yeah. And then so the other stuff. I is can't get that, away from her. You know? You don't want to either, man. It's nice. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's good. It's good that you're, you know what I mean? You did a happiness test and like realized and pivoted. How easy has this process been? So let me ask you, like, when did you start looking for locations? I started looking for locations. It would have been around like May, June last year. Officially started like kind of like looking at locations and turning off the idea of buying a practice and then turn to the idea of starting up my own. Oh, so you were looking for an acquisition first. I was. Did you not find one that you were looking for? Or? Yeah, partly that is part of the thing. For the longest time. So I'm really risk averse. I mean, this is the biggest risk I've ever taken in my life. I really try to make calculated decisions and I play it safe. Like I play it really safe. So my first thought was if I'm going to have, if I'm going to buy, if I'm going to get a, have a practice of my own, I want something that's already established where I already know it's going to be successful. I already know there's a guaranteed income already coming in. There's patients already there. So I started looking into different brokers and talking to them about what kind of practices they had and nothing was it, you know? And then I started realizing as I talked to like more and more people outside of brokers, the way that the dental market is the for offices, there's a couple of people, especially if you're in a big city like I am, Chicagoland, there's a couple of people who have the brokers have them on speed dial because they're going to offer the best price. And Heartland Dental is one of them, all these corporate places. It's hard to compete with those people if you don't have that kind of capital. You don't have anything to really show for it, you know? So the only other option really was to then hit up dentists who are going to retire or people practices that I liked and then tell them, hey, when you retire, would you be open to be buying this practice? Okay, when are you going to retire? Two, three years. Two outside of my time zone, you know? It was like, it was going to take too long. Had a conversation with a friend of mine, Dr. Farhan Momin. I'm going to shout him out. He was going to start up a practice and I was going to buy a practice. We had that conversation and we flipped. He bought a practice and then I started up my own practice. Because uh-huh. he's just like, these are the, here's the pearls for having a practice. The start a practice. Like you can set everything yourself. That sounds really good. That sounds awesome. It's going to take some time, but it's my own thing. And I made every decision. And it's start up and it's something I'm I mean, it's sounds like it's a lot of fun. And he just realized, like, I don't think I want to do that. I think I just want to buy something more established. It was weird. We did this 180 thing, both of us. But so then you found the location. You was it immediately the first location you found, or were you like, no? Yeah, I worked with I worked with a couple of real estate brokers here, dental real estate brokers. Mm -hmm. Actually, not just dental, but health. Joe Rossi and Associates. I gotta give them a shout out. They Gave me kind of like a list of all the places that were sort of available. And I went and checked out a bunch. And I was like, okay, sure. Yeah, maybe this one, maybe this one. They checked some of the boxes. They weren't checking all of them. But I was like, I have to compromise. And then I just went on a drive one day. And I just found this spot here. And it's the perfect size width-wise that I wanted. And it looked nice. Like a relatively new, built like 10 years ago, I think, 19 years ago. In the location that I wanted. Before we scouted locations, my wife and I made dental appointments at a bunch of offices, like in the area. And I was like, okay, I know what my competition is now. 
You Wait, know? Hold on. Why'd you do that? Why? Why do? What was the point of that? The point of it was to. I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to improve. So I picked up little things here and there from some of these places, like a little things that I put into the patient experience here, but mostly to see, okay, what is my real competition here? If I open up, is there somebody down the street who's going to do a better job than I am? And if that's the case, I can't have confidence in myself. And if I can't have confidence in myself, how is anybody else? But so that's, that was kind of the reason why I did that. Did you go? Yeah. You went to these locations and got the... My wife and I did, yeah. Or some of the things you picked up. One of the places that I went to wasn't even in the areas that I was looking at, but they're a huge name in Chicagoland area. I won't say their name, but they're a huge name here. And you've probably heard of them. And everybody probably has. Their design was incredible. It was impeccable. Whoever is designing those offices, freaking kudos to you. And there was a lot of stuff like they're really like one of these like cool offices, you know? So they had little, little things that I was like, that's, that's a thing that I'm going to try to put it, incorporate later on, you know? But then there was things about the patient experience that I did not enjoy. And the sad reality is that single location practices are kind of few and far in between that I have found, at least in the big city like Chicago. Even that place that I'm talking about has like seven locations. They're opening their seventh and eighth location. And when that happens, man, the patient experience just falls by the wayside because the owner of the practice, the person who has the most stake in that business is not in the practice. And when that's not the case, then who's overseeing this? Somebody that you just pay, an office manager or somebody, they don't have the same stake in the practice as you do as a practice owner. So yeah, then stuff just falls by the wayside. And then you, you know, because the patient experience is suffering, now you gotta, now you gotta compromise on cost for things. You gotta compromise on the time you spend with patients. It's all related, <laughs> all related. So then you gotta change the vision for your whole practice and be like, I'm just gonna start thinking now multi seven, eight locations and just getting my profit that way versus just honing in on that one practice and providing the best experience. That's just kind of what I have seen working with the corporate places that working with Heartland that I've, you know, that I did for four years. And then just kind of looking around and being like, look, there's a practice here, quarter of a mile down the way, literally two minutes, you turn here and there's another practice. There. There's another one that way, three on the street over here. There's like so many practices that are around here. And Every single one of them is one of X locations and the patient experience is not there, you know? <laughs> so that was my vision now then was to, I'm just going to hone in on that. And that's what's going to be, that's what's going to be our stake. It's going to take us a little time to get there in terms of success, let's call it. But if my patient experience is the way that I have envisioned it and the way that my team has envisioned it, we've come up with it together. People will be happy. So then... Um, when it came to the specific things, like the design, what was it like? You're like, I'm going to, what was it? What was it? And the design that you're like, I'm going to take that. And what was it where you're like, dang, their patient experience because of this specific thing sucks. Design was the way that they engaged like social media was a thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to do that because people want that. People would love for their dentist to have that. So this is the way that they engaged with their audience was good. Like there were hashtags, things, there were QR codes everywhere. Why are my teeth bleeding? QR code, it takes it to a video of theirs. You know, it was like that kind of stuff. So that's down the line. That's where I'm going. That's where I would like, I would love to have that kind of thing. The list of things that I picked up that were negative is way longer. As simple as when you walk in, are people even noticing you? <laughs> are they taking you for granted as a patient? Do they appreciate you as a patient? Or are they just like, yeah, 
we're here and it's, a priv- it's your privilege to be here and have an appointment with us. It's really the opposite. I mean, our field has changed. It's more customer service oriented. You have to have the mindset because it's true that it's our privilege to treat any of these people. It's our privilege that they let, the, that they let us put our hands in their mouths and for even to have them sit in the chair. We spend the money to get them in the door. So you have to realize that it's a privilege to see patients. And I didn't treat, I didn't, I wasn't treated that way when I was at these places. Like I walk in and there was like, yeah, it looked nice, but there was two gals at the front and none of them acknowledged me. I went up and I'm like, hey, and they're like looking up to me, bored and not fulfilled with their jobs. So they're just like, yeah, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, I got an appointment. What do you mean? What do you think I'm doing over here? Telling you watches, like, what do you think is happening? I'm coming in, I have an appointment. My name looks like it might be Sayed Shahabuddin. Just do your little research, you know? Little mm-hmm. things like that. There was just no clarity and who's going to even see me and who's going to do my cleaning. Like, mm-hmm. just, it was clear that I, it was the male, you know? And then after I come in, there were like 10 people came in after me. People were waiting, wow. So then you mentioned something. You're like, I'm going to keep doing, I want to hone in on this, which is the patient experience, right? Until you reach success. What's success yeah. look like to you? Great question. Success for me is we are able to provide care for a lot of people and not compromise on our patient experience. That's success to me. And I pay my bills. I pay my bills and I keep myself happy and my wife happy. And that's really it. That's success to me is being able to provide a patient experience enough that I am happy and my staff is happy and my patients are happy. That's vague. I know. And I'm sorry. I don't know if I have a number in mind. You what's know, your, but, what's uh, your break-even number? There are some things that I spent a lot of money on. There are some things I did not spend a lot of money on. But per month, it's around like $35,000 would be break-even. Oh, yeah. Okay. So well, it's for a seven-operatory location, 2,200 square feet uh, around there. You know, that's including, that's the loan. That's everybody's salary and included, excluding mine, which... Yeah, I mean, I saved up some money. I'm not paying myself really a yeah. lot. I pay myself a little bit, but yeah, I'm not paying myself yeah, yeah. a lot. Yeah, I'm paying myself. My wife and I are in the same salary. Okay, got got you. When it comes to uh, what you spent a lot on and a little on, what was that? I don't really say a lot. I spend money on things that people come into the office. It's the things that they talk about. I got a massage chair. <laughs> um, it's not a lot. It's sixteen hundred dollars. One of my one of my chairs is seven thousand dollars. My dental chair is $7,000. So like, what's $1,600? Anybody who comes in, the UPS guy, anybody who delivers anything, my cleaning people when they come in, patients when they walk in, they walk, when we're giving them the tour, I don't even point out to massage chair. They walk by and they, they walk like this and then they go, what is that? And they do a double take. I'm like, well, massage suite, what is that about? I'm like, oh, look for you. If you have to wait a long time, I don't want you to have a bad experience. You can sit in the massage chair. Or even after today, why don't you sit right now? And I give them 15 minutes in the massage chair and they walk out and they're like, where do I sign up? It's small things. Like, dude, I, I've sat in the massage chair like once, but, and it's a great one, but it was just an Amazon massage chair. It's nothing special. But one of the things I learned is that if you just go, if patients expect this, you just gotta be just right, right above that. And they're gonna be, mind's blown. Mind's blown. You know, whereas people spend like thousands of dollars on 3D printers and all of this stuff, 
some of it to market to patients. I mean, if you're going to use it, do your thing. I mean, probably gonna get one too eventually, but they just like spend all this money on things that for the patient experience that patients never pick up on. Like an ADEC chair. <laughs> it's not me. If you do it, that's cool. ADEC, no shade. But I just didn't feel like patients ever cared. I've been in offices where there were ADEC chairs and patients never mentioned it once. But my cheap chair has a $500 massage in it. And patients comment on that all the time. Yeah. Just like these little balloons that rise and fall behind you, like right here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they just love it. They love it, man. So the thing that I spent a lot of money on were I didn't even, I negotiated tenant improvement. I didn't even negotiate rent. I was like, whatever your rent number is, that's fine. I'm probably paying a lot for this area. It's going to be like rent and my maintenance stuff in by close to $9,000. So I don't know if that's a lot or not, but I, I feel like it is. Standard thousand dollars, yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay, so then these are some of the things I like that the the cover marketing, the massage chair, right? Like you know what I mean? Yeah, it's really really like interesting. That. When yeah. it comes to um the oh actually let me rewind a little bit. How much was your build out? Build out was I just wrote the check yesterday. The build out, the final one, three hundred like thirty four, thirty five thousand dollars. So it was three around three hundred thirty five thousand dollars. How was the construction process? You know what, man? I hear some horror stories out there. I did not have that. Thank God. You know, the guy that I went to, he builds a bunch of offices around here. I know several people who have used him. He was definitely quick, but he was quick, but I had no idea when he was going to do what. Like there was no schedule. So it was kind of like unpredictable, but I'm grateful to be where, I'm, where I am. We started, we broke ground in October and then we were built out mostly February. Like I had equipment and... IT people come in. So, you know, like four or five months, I hear some horror stories where it takes people a year. I think if you're going to go through that process, that's an important question to ask of contractors is how many projects do you have going on right now? How long does it usually take for you to build out an office from where it is right now to the final, you know, thing? So that's a question I asked everybody. He was like, I, I take four months. Just right up, like, just right off the bat. And I was like, oh, okay. And other people were like, ah, it depends, you know. This, this. So he took four months and he took, like, he did a great job. There were small things that I wish I had more input in. This definitely wasn't a thing where we sat down and came up with the vision for the practice. He's like, yeah, okay. We got a layout together. He just started doing it. And I was hmm. like, wait, wait, wait. But what about uh, this? And he's like, okay, I guess we can do that if you want to do that. And I'm like, well, you already did the whole other thing. Let's just go that route. Yeah, yeah. What were some things that you wish you had more input on? Man, design stuff. It's all just finishes mostly. Mostly finishes. The floor plan I had input on. We said, we, we, that is something we sat together and we're like, this is where I want these ops and all that jazz. I want them this big. But design stuff, like, you know, we have a sink in the hallway and he just put up this blue tile and this ugly gold little border. And I was like, dude, this looks like my mom designed it. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it would have been nicer if I could have found a better thing. To be fair though, now that everything's built, it actually looks pretty nice. So you okay. know what he's doing. Yeah. I don't, but. You know, no, I'm, yeah, okay. yeah, makes awful. makes sense. Right now, how many employees do you have? Four, including myself. When did you open? This week. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Technically this week. So we, I mean, we had a soft opening. We've been technically seeing patients for like two weeks, but it's just been fa- friends and family. We started seeing our outside patients this week. Technically Thursday, actually, but last Thursday. Okay. Okay. Uh, it was so an accident, me, but yeah. Let me ask you. Let me ask you. What are you open? Did you feel like? 
at the end of the day, once your first opening day or what's this weekend, would you like, we were prepped, we were prepared or were you like, I forgot this. I forgot that. Or I should have thought about this or we should have done this. Yeah. No, I mean, we're prepared. Okay. We're good. I don't, we're not like, we're not crazy busy. So there are things that I wish I had done earlier, which is where a schedule would have, I think, helped, you know, a schedule for my contractor. But I wish I just wish I started marketing efforts earlier. I wish I started ground marketing earlier. I wish I did all these things earlier, but it is what it is. So like, you know, that first day we saw like, we saw three patients, the appointments, there's, I do something called a tour appointment that I got from Spear Education. Basically, it's like a 90 minute appointment and I take them on a tour of their mouth. I take photos of my DSLR camera. We take an inner scan. We do a bunch of stuff. So that's like a 90 minute appointment. And we had three of those first day. And then the next day it was like, you know, a couple. It's just been a couple every day. It's not <laughs> like I'm taxed. No, I, so I get you. We have the time, I think, to also just sort of, it's not like we're slammed and we're like burnt out. I'm still going home at six every day. We close at six, so I go home at like 6.15 every day. But it's because I put in a lot of prep work. We started training. Like I hired in January. And for the first week, we were just at home, just learning stuff for the software. We used CareStack. Mm -hmm. So we were just learning CareStack for a full week. And then we spent a good month training outside of the office on our vision. We spent two days just getting to know each other, learning the personality types and all that stuff. We went to an escape room together, but basically just coming up with a vision for the practice together. I needed my everybody to buy into the vision of the practice, to buy into the experience, to buy into what kind of things we're going to be doing for people. And they really did. And I'm so grateful I did that because now anything that's going up on our social media is them. Anything that, any new ideas that we have marketing-wise, it's them. It's not me. I'm not great at that stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So they really bought in and made it theirs. It's been awesome to see. I'm proud of them. Nice, man. That's good. What are you guys doing for marketing and advertising then? Good question. We, so Studio ADA, we mentioned them. So they built out my website. I have Simo Share doing my online marketing, SEO and ads and stuff like that. We just started like maybe a month ago with that stuff. Ask me in a couple months how it's going, but... And then we've got MVP Mailhouse. We're using them for print marketing and your ground marketing course. Have you started ground marketing or no? Yeah, so we did. We did, but so many people were asking, are you guys open yet? And we're like, we have to say like, no, we're not yet. But in a month, check us out. <laughs> They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then you can see them just the interest just weighing down. And part of that is to us. We probably could have done better things during the during our scripts. But now, like next week, we're going to hit it very hard. You know, we're going to hit ground marketing very hard. Every day, we're going to, because we have a couple hours planned and yeah. we're just going to be on the community. We're doing a couple of things here and there. Like next week, we have a middle school. We're going to a career fair. So we're going to have a spin wheel. I think it's going to be cool. We've done a couple of daycares and sent home some stuff with the kids, you know, being like, hey, we're through 11 Dental to their parents. So we've done a couple of things here and there. We're going to be at farmer's markets and all that stuff. So. Yeah, We had meetings where we decided we're going to hit up this event. We're going to be at this event. We're going to be at this event. That's what we want to be. We want to be that office that is very active in the community. And that like, you know, you're a little annoyed with because of how much they, they're in your face. Yeah. We're not going to do a billboard or anything, but I want to be out there, you know? Yeah, no, that's good. So hold up real quick, rewind. You didn't get their information when they're like, are you open yet? We did. 
And then some of those people, when we called back, we, we got some people scheduled. It's not like, yeah, mm-hmm. half the people that we have scheduled were from those lists. But a lot of them are like, oh, no, I need to find somebody like right now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, come on, you can't just wait. You can't wait like a month. You can't wait. Well, you know, two months, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Some of them were like, yeah, you know what? Uh, call me back at this time. You know, call me back in a couple months where you guys are. So we have called those people back. We're going to hit up those businesses again. It's not yeah. a big deal. We're going to get it again, you know? Yeah. Now that everything is built out, now that this place is like, it looks so nice. I'm trying to be aggressive with getting people into the office and meeting us because we're a hundred percent on conversion there. Anybody who comes in pretty much and does meet us, it's good. So we're trying to be aggressive. So at first I was like, I don't know if I should offer free whitening. Sounds like it's going to cost a lot per patient. But now I'm like, yeah, whatever. I mean, whatever gets people in, I'm confident that they'll stay. Yeah. Okay, man. Yeah. I mean, remember, like, as long as you're following up and calling them, right, and following up or... You know, you can text too. I feel like people reply faster with text now, but however you want to yeah. do it, like keep it yeah. up, man. You know what I mean? With, when it comes yeah. to these leads, because they, they yeah. were interested in you. They're like, yeah, put yeah. in my information. They already yeah. do that first transaction, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So, do you have, yeah, are you doing point. that or is it your, somebody in your team doing that? Or It was me and my team. My wife would be answering calls. She, she wouldn't be with me. She's also not like a crazy people person. Like my front desk assistant and my, dental assistant. They don't think they are, but they are. So I take them with me when we go. Sometimes I just send them, you know, they have different conversations that they had. They can have with people when I'm not even there. Sometimes I just send them on. Okay, man, that's good. So then, say throughout this process, I guess from the moment you decided, I'm going to do my own practice, right? Maybe you were still in Heartland, but you decided it, right? So today, what's been some of your biggest struggles or fails or pitfalls? From the moment that I decided, just believing in myself, And like I said, I'm risk averse. I don't take big risks. So overcoming that and being like, if you have a set vision and if you believe in yourself, you believe in the experience that you provide, what's going to stop you? Sure, it'll take a little time, but you'll be good. You know, Mm -hmm. that's just just having confidence. That's kind of the biggest thing. I mean, I'm confident in my clinical ability and I'm confident when I talk to people and case acceptance wise, that kind of stuff. I'm confident there, but you know, as far as like the business goes and then going out into the community and getting people and having a brand of your own to be proud of and to be confident in is kind of a different thing. So it didn't take me long though, to be honest with you. It took a couple, it took just some, some time just to think with myself and my wife and just talking about it. And what really sped that up was going to these other offices and being like, okay, you know what? I think we're fine. Yeah. You know? That was my biggest pitfall, I would say. But I mean, it's just small things here and there. Every day, there's a new pitfall. There's little things every single time, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, we we, we had got these tip-out bins for organization and putting those things together was like a freaking pain and a half. It took a whole day. Went back and forth to Menards, got the wrong things. Oh, stupid little things like that. I'm grateful. It's been nothing big. Yeah. Um, getting the loan was an issue. That was a kind of a big issue. But, you know, I don't know if you want me to talk about that, but. Yeah, no, um, we, we, we can dive into that a little bit. I just want to, back to the confidence thing. Yeah. You still feel like you struggle with that? I'm going to sound like a douchebag. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Well, I'm, what helped? What helped? Because it sounds like maybe you don't struggle with that part of the confidence, but when it comes to like, I don't know, ground marketing or anything else, you're 100% confident or? Now I am. Okay, why? Because I've seen what's out there. I've seen what's out there. I've gotten a couple of patients in 
and they're I I see what they enjoy, and I just see the look on their faces when they walk into an operatory and it says, "Hey, Saeed," and there's a customized thing to them based off of a menu that they filled out, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just hear the comments from people, things like, "I walked in and I didn't. I thought I was in the wrong place. I didn't know it was a dental office." That inspires confidence. People who are like, okay, for instance, like my one of my assistants' moms with my my first patients here has been a little afraid to go to the dentist for years. Came in, met me, saw the place. She needs some extensive treatment, and she's excited about the treatment now after having gone through this whole experience here. So that inspires confidence. I mean, it's just little things like that. You know, I think the lack of confidence was: are people going to enjoy it? I spent so much time building up this vision, building up this experience, picking little tiny things, you know. I spent all this damn money on this place. Are people going to enjoy it enough to even stay? Am I going to be able to pay these bills? So seeing how people come in and seeing what's out there, what's around me in terms of like, you know, the other offices that are here, they're all corporate, that inspires confidence. The phone calls that we get, I listen to them. And people being like, I just came from this other office and like, I don't know what they're doing, but they're, they're, the whole thing just went downhill. I was a patient of theirs for years and now I feel like I'm a number. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of being kind of redundant, but all of that inspires confidence for me. Honestly, Slade, I feel like you kind of had it always or yeah. you've had that hope. And then once you met it here halfway, they were like, yes, they, they confirmed your hope, right? They confirmed your... Yeah faith or your, or whatever you want to call it, confidence, right? And then boom, right. confidence. You're like, I thought this yeah. was going to happen. This is happening, yeah. right? Kind of thing. Yeah. And that's a good 100%, feeling. Yeah. yeah. 100%. You should be a psychiatrist, dude. No, <laughs> you need medicine. and uh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. So then one of the last questions I want to ask you is throughout this process, how is it affecting your personal life? You know what? My wife works with me. It's not. If anything, it's improving our relationship. Honestly. I mean, like I said, we talked about the happiness, my happiness. I don't know what you want to call it that, dude. The exercise, the happiness exercise. <laughs> she was a big part of it. We went through that together. So it's improved my personal life as far as my wife is go. I don't see friends yeah. like at all anymore. I haven't met up with friends for a long time. I used to meet up with them on the weekly, you know, and I, we used to be fairly social. But in the past six months, man, it, I can count on my hands the number of times I've hung out with people, family. You know, I try to see family on a weekly. I see my parents at least, but I definitely see them a lot less. But I know that that's temporary and that's right now. But my wife was the biggest part of my life. (laughs) I see her every day. That's great. I mean, I see her for hours. I see her every single second, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. You know, which I advise if you can make that happen and you like the person that you were married to, you know, because it sucks, man. When I started working and when you first get out of dental school, you know nothing. So I spent, I would come home from work and you'd already be burnt out. And then I spent three hours on Sphere Online Education, just learning stuff. For like five months, I did that. And then, you know, and my, my wife is just, she's working as well. But then, you know, there, I, we didn't spend much time together. And we were relatively young in our marriage, like three years in when I, that was happening. I spent five months doing that. And then even still, I come home after that, and it's three hours and two or three hours. I'm burnt out. I'm tired. And it's like, what are we going to talk about now? Let's just watch TV and go to sleep and just repeat. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I just didn't like that. Yeah. I don't like yeah. That it's not a good way to, you know what I mean? There's no communication. Yeah. yeah. But that's the average. 
that's your average marriage, right? I mean, if you think about it nowadays. Nowadays, people are working from home, and maybe it's different. But um, this is before COVID. So, I mean, that's just your average marriage. And it's just you have the weekend and you have some evenings to each other if you're not burnt out. And then that's when communication fails and all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, we're getting into more marriage counseling here. But no, but it's good, man. It's good. It's good. That's why I yeah. asked the question of how it affects your personal life, right? It's important. Um, yeah. It's a good thing. But some, I guess some people are like, oh, man, you know, I, I'm, I spend less time with my family. All this is because my startup. But there's also a good side to it, right? It doesn't have to be that way where you spend less time with people, right? Yeah. You're only spending more time with people. So yeah. It's really, really good. Awesome side, man. Yeah. If you can, can you tell our listeners where they can find you if they have any questions or they want to reach out to you or anything like that? Sure. Well, if you're in Chicagoland, just come just come check me out, dude. I'm in Bolingbroke, Southwest Chicagoland. Come check out the office. That'd be awesome. I'd love, I'd love to show people. I take pride in it. You can tell. You can just reach out to me by email, 311dentalfam, like family, at gmail.com. If you have any questions, I'd be so happy to help. Awesome. Yeah. So guys, that's going to be in the show notes below. And Said, cool. thank you so much, man, for being with us. Before we that's sign good. off, any last piece of advice or favorite quotes you want to share with us? Any last pieces of advice, man? I've been talking for a long time. The biggest piece of advice I have is do that happiness exercise if you have not done that. When people give you advice, take it with a grain of salt, even when I give you advice. Take it with a grain of salt. Do your own research. Learn things on your own and take a little bit from everyone and never just take just one person's word for everything. I've had to do that. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure yeah. and we'll hear from you soon. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into that episode. I truly appreciate you. And Saeed, man, thank you so much, man, for, for being part of the podcast. I truly appreciate you. I can't wait to have you back on and do a follow-up episode. It's going to be exciting. And guys, if you want to reach out to him, make sure you go in the show notes below. Um, you can click on his links there. Or you can also join our free Facebook group. All of our uh, listeners are in that Facebook group. It's the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. And you can speak with any of the guests that you've listened to on here. Uh, you can ask them deeper questions on there. You can talk to myself as well on there or our team, um, and just interact with the society, with all, all of our listeners on there. So it's a great, great little environment that we've created, and I encourage you, go in the show notes below and, and join that free Facebook group. And at the same time, guys, I know you heard about it on this episode, ground marketing. You do know I've created a ground marketing course, and if you haven't, it's going to be in the first link in the show notes below. In that ground marketing course, I teach you a ton of stuff. I teach you how to get into restaurants, how to get new patients from restaurants, how to get into gyms, right? How to get into corporate locations, how to get into your chamber of commerce, how to get into small businesses. I dive so deep into that, give you the scripts, the plans, everything. You can even see me do it in the videos in real time. I'm calling like grocery stores and showing you how I... I and a part of their events, how you can be a part of their events to the community events and get new patients that way. So if you're interested, just go in the show notes below, click on the first link in the show notes below, and you can definitely um, join the ground marketing course if you feel like that's a good fit for you. Now, the book for this episode, the quote that I'm going to read is from the book Contagious. And the quote is, with your marketing message, focus on feelings, not information. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.